Hello and welcome to the BNY Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Shannon. Joining me is the DM, Peter Gorski. How are you? I'm doing all right, Owen. I was at the end of a yawn there because I didn't know we were going to go right into it, and I tried to force it out quickly, but I'm here now and I'm ready to talk. Unfortunately, we're not joined today by Mark. He has gotten held up with work. We wish him well. He wishes he was here with us. But what we're likely going to have is a little bit of a quicker episode here. Just me and Peter talking about how the state of the world isn't as good as we wish it was. Yep. Typical. And we're gonna get in the we're gonna get into the politics and do Senate race predictions. <laughs> Woo! Um but we'll go through the main format. There's a lot of big stories to talk about uh for anyone who is just tuning in for the first time we publish every thursday we are a gaming news podcast also talk about what we've been playing uh we're not your one-stop shop though we talk about the big stories and then we move on we have a main topic at the end we're talking about what the life of the ps5 has looked like to this point and that might tie in with a story we're talking about later but also, if somehow this is your first episode, write in, because that makes me morbidly curious. Yeah, I mean, I'd love if you just randomly found us. Write in like, at, how is it? How is this your first episode? I want to know. Write in at bnygamingpod at gmail.com. Anyone can write in. So far, only listener Kyle does. But uh, anyone is available. And without further ado, we can get into what we've been playing, which Peter is nothing, correct? Nothing. I... Throughout the history of this podcast, Owen and I have always bounced back and forth between one of us is in the mood to play games and one of us is not. For a portion of last year was Owen, and he has now passed the baton to me as I'm just not really in the mood to play single-player games. I really want to play Helldivers. I'm probably going to get that soon. And I'm going to just... Because I'm feeling multiplayer right now. I, I want to have a co-op experience with my friends, but I just I keep looking at Uncharted 4, and it's like, it's, I'm just not there yet. I'm not there. So hopefully I will be. And hopefully this isn't a long-term thing. We want to eventually push ourselves back into it after a certain point. But right now I am officially on. I'm not in the single player game mood at this moment. The thing that can hurt is when you have an experience like you had with Uncharted 3 of the game that drags that. Yeah. You, you pretty clearly hit a point where it's like, oh, I actually don't want to be playing this. And, and it, you let it just hang hours. over you. It was a, it was a short game too, and I got that with a nine hour game. That was not a good sign. I mean, it happens. Even even if you think back to when when you and I weren't crazy about Oberdin, it's like that wasn't technically that long of a game. It's just every single time you're playing it, it and you're constantly looking up how to progress in the game because it's like I don't care, I don't care. Tell me what to do. Um, tell, help me solve this mystery. Let's admit we did it a lot. Mark's not here. We did it a lot. And then the reverse side of this is when you and I both knew the right time to drop a game, which was Final Fantasy VII Remake, where we both realized that we kept falling asleep while playing it. Which is most games have done to us. It is a very rare thing. But I would, you and I would play FF7 Remake for like two hours, be like, wow, this is great. And then we'd fall asleep. And it's like, well, this can't be a good sign. Um,. Are you feeling any FOMO at all with that game coming out? Uh, uh, Rebirth, not a single bit. Helldivers, oh my fucking god, yes. I'm, I'm feeling it a little bit with both games, uh, mainly because with Rebirth, 
I just wish I had this feeling that everyone else has. And I don't. And I should get over that. But, you know, some people are just so excited. It's like their most anticipated game of all time. And, you know, I'm just not, not going to get that experience. But Helldivers, we talked about it a little bit on, on last week's episode. It's It's been calling my name as well. But I also peek into my personal life. I... I've hit points where it's like, damn, I feel like my my money isn't where it needs to be. Like I'm spending too much, come at the end of a month and and my bank account is getting lower and lower than I'm typically used to seeing it go. So I did a full layout only of January so far. I'm gonna I'm gonna start February soon. A full layout of like all money spent, all money coming in. Even though all of like our apps naturally track this, like your bank app and your credit card app and stuff, you sometimes you gotta just you gotta write it out yourself and see it. And I saw it all, and I realized uh, gotta tighten it up a little bit. And even though Helldivers is only forty dollars, I actually I did commit thirty dollars already to a game this month, and I think I might make it my only game this month, which is pacific drive which has not scored as well on open critic as i was looking for but i'm still looking forward to it because mu- many of those reviews were glowing and the negative reviews seem to be people that were mad about like the ui so that's a whole aside though hell divers how how have you not gotten this yet just because our friends that I would play with only play on like certain days and I, you know, they already have a group of four and I'm not going to play it by myself because it's just not a game you can play by yourself. So I plan to buy it when I know like I'll consistently be able to play with a group of people. You know what I mean? That's fair. One thing that has made me more willing to buy it is that everyone's saying that it's the type of game that you can match make with randoms and the the game has its own internal communication that just makes everything make sense um, without speaking on a microphone. And I've heard so many yeah. good reviews of that yep. that it's like, oh, so I could just play this whenever I want as well. That makes this much more enticing because... You you even predicted last week that I would get it and I would have two good sessions and I would never play it again. And it's like, well, if this matchmaking is as, I shouldn't say as good because people have been having the those Q issues. but Which, I want to talk about that very briefly of just people be giving Arrowhead shit for like, how could you not be ready for this? How could you not be prepared for this game's success? Helldivers 1 peaked at 10,000 people. Like, that's the most people they ever had playing at a time. This game crossed a million units sold in a week. How do you... How could they have ever known? How could they have known? Like, I'm not usually one to defend, like, technical issues in games, but it's like, what were they supposed to do? Pay for servers that could have housed a million people at once when they... we No one expected this... Like, Owen, I was listening to a political podcast earlier that talked about Helldivers. Really? Yes! Like, that's, like, this game, it has to have crossed 2 million units by now. It has to have. This game continues to be big, bigger, and bigger, and bigger. And what is crazy is that it's a $40 game from the 360 era, pretty much. 
I think that's why it's resonating with people, though. Yes, I think so too. I, I, I can't get behind the people that are too angry about it, especially since, you know, a lot of games have had these queue issues in the past, and typically you can wait it out within a a reasonable period of time. Now I'm sure there are stories out there of the person that waited three hours and they didn't get into a game. I don't care about that person's story. I'll just be honest. You're an outlier and I don't, you're a statistic. (laughs) Um, and it's not like hero. It's not like they're not adding like, they'll add like, all right, we just add, we, we just allowed another 50,000 people to play at once. And that will instantly get consumed. They're also, they're playing the PR game quite well. Where I actually never saw the direct quote, but people were referencing that the CEO of Arrowhead literally just said, like, yeah, you should buy it later at this point. <laughs> like um, so many people join up, like, playing our servers, like, yeah, you, you probably, it'd probably be a better idea to wait. And also, it's just an idea of, like, when I was listening to a political podcast earlier, they mentioned Arrowhead by name. Wow. Like, that, I, I was blown the fuck away by that. I couldn't believe it. The fact that, like, yeah, the guys at Arrowhead Studio was like, how do you know? what they're called like i just and again i'm i used to be more like pom-poms and hand like i always say pom-poms more so because you weren't and i was it's because you were against something so therefore i was pro something because it bothered you but i mean at this point like playstation might be stupid not to buy arrowhead because there's no way other people other publishers are not going to be courting them and wanting to buy them playstation will if they're smart they're already talking to be like all right what name a price will like we need to, we need to purchase you that or or Arrowhead could technically believe that they have something on their hands that could sustain them for a long time. Sure. Um, but the other thing that Arrowhead, uh, the CEO, came out and said with them doing all the right PR beats is how they have no plans of overhiring because they just know that it would lead to eventual layoffs and be a disastrous situation. It's like, wow. You guys are saying the right things. <laughs> They're saying the right thing. They're tell again, like you talked about it earlier, but it's like they tell people, hey, don't buy the game right now. Like you're like it's it's you're only you're not gonna be able to play as much, and we're trying to get everyone in. The it's with so many disaster stories in the games industry the last couple of years, it's bizarre and foreign to see people who actually have their hands on the wheel. This is also a different story where while they have the PlayStation connection, I'm not looking at this as like, oh, big AAA fucking fucking it up again, being greedy, putting out broken games. It's like I view this more as an Arrowhead thing where it's like, oh, the small team had a great success. Now they're just trying to catch up to that success quick. Uh, it's it's almost like a oh good for you guys you have server issues. I mean it's a it's a, too many people are buying our game. What a great problem to have. Um, and I also think the PlayStation connection will probably help get this alleviated, uh, fairly quickly. So, Helldivers two. Neither of us played it, but by God, we want we want to talk about it. Uh, the one game that I have played is my continuation of Xenoblade Chronicles. I discussed last week, but 
it was cut off for the listeners due to our technical issues. I discussed last week that my plan, my hope, was to finish this game by the end of February. And what my discussion with Mark ultimately led to was if I wanted to do that, I would have to enter near Automata mode. Where when I played near Automata, I kind of just played that straight through like 25, 30 hours. And I did it in like 10 days, which is not standard for me. I typically don't find that much time to game. And I also typically don't want to spend that much time straight in one game. In the past week, I've been able to hit that mode, I'd say. I'm not sure if it'll sustain throughout the full month, but I started, like, say, at the end of our podcast episode last week, I believe I was at about 24 hours in the game. And I'm now at 41. So I put in some heavy work. I'm a big fan of Xenoblade Chronicles at this point. I texted you and Mark at one point during the week about how just every time I'm in a new area in this game, I find it very exciting. It's exciting from typically it's it's pretty and I like looking at these areas even even on the Switch even these remastered Wii graphics. But I, I mean, it looks a hell of a lot better than it did on the Wii. Yes, like I does. thought, the I thought the game was beautiful on the Wii. Like you are, I, 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 do, I don't even know how you're seeing it. Like I don't even know, how, like oh, and all these environments that I know very well look like like completely redone. I, sh- I should look up some some Wii footage. There was actually one instance very early on in the game where I was stuck on a boss, and I, I looked up like a tip video for it where the person was playing on the Wii, and I did have kind of a. A uh, shocking moment of like, holy yeah. fuck, that's what it looks like. But uh, it looks gorgeous on the Switch. Even I'm playing handheld frequently. I just love the art style of this game. It's beautiful. It, it works really well for me. And when I'm in new areas, I've also gotten into the habit. I really like the flow of these fairly easy to complete side quests. And I'm going to find all of them. I'm fighting almost every enemy I can so that I make sure I'm at the right level. I'm trying to find the secret areas that are within each area. You get a lot of XP for them, and often they can be fairly cool areas. Are you liking it more than Persona 5? This has been a question for me because I also need to do an actual take inventory of what JRPGs I've actually played. Are we are we considering Pokemon games JRPGs? No. Why not? Because we're not. All right, we're not doing that. Like, knock it off. No, but knock I knock it off. I, I think it probably does count. Um, but when I really think about it, it's Xenoblade, it's Persona Five Royal, and it's Pokemon games. I'm not sure I really have any other experience in JRPGs. I've started other ones. I've started Persona 4 before. But I can't I can't come to a conclusion yet, obviously. Let me at least ask this. Which cast, of, game. which cast of characters do you like more? I think Persona 5 still has the lead right now. Oh, damn. But oh, damn. 
Xenoblade has has made some strides. To give you perspective without spoiling anything. So I am at chapter 12, which doesn't mean anything to you, but it is a moment where you fell from a big place and the party is split up and finding their way back to I know I know exactly where you are. Some good moments are happening here. Uh Very especially good. especially on the character front. So I the you other find thing out, What were you going to say? I was like, "Oh, which group are you with right now?" I think I just united all of them. Okay. You find out one character's age and you're like, "What?" Oh, I have not. I don't think I've seen that yet. Unless I missed it. But um, there's a scene when there's a tree of care. Okay, uh, we'll talk after. We'll talk. Is after. it is it around a fire? Yes. Okay, so I did not catch whatever the age was. Uh, you know, is this a spoiler? I assume you're talking Melia is probably an age that you don't want. No, it's Ricky. Oh, Ricky. How old's Ricky? Ricky is in his forties. Oh, exactly. Because he's telling Dunban about his. He's telling Dunban, and he just mentions the name. Dunban's like. Ricky, you're in your 40s? He's like, yeah, how old did you think I was? It's like, oh. See, that scene just happened, and I'll admit when it's the in-engine scenes, I'm going a Not little faster good. through them. So uh, I definitely missed that. Because that- I, I mean, I thought Ricky was like a kid, and then you or like he was a little younger, and he's like, I'm in my late 40s. It's like, holy shit. That doesn't bother me, despite the fact that, that Ricky is, is silly and goofy in the way he is. That doesn't bother me. Because I mean, it didn't bother he, me. He's a he's a nopon. Who knows how yes. these things age? Well, no. Exa- well, again, I I I wasn't like what a character flaw. I I just I didn't think he was in his late forties. I I thought you were about to tell me that Melia was like twelve. <laughs> no, no. Because again, Ricky is all he is a nopon, but he is all silly and wacky, and it's like, oh no, I'm in my four. He Ricky is the oldest member of the party, and it's like, oh, that's crazy. Wow. Uh, the one thing I I plan to come in here and say, although this chapter is is turning that around a bit, I come to this game more for the gameplay than the story so far. I like the story. I like the characters. But there's nothing to this point that it's been like wow like can't believe they're going there with exception of the intro to the game for the most part i feel like everything else has been kind of like a jrpg adventure i would expect and there are some good twists there are some good characters i'm happy to be here but i am waiting to see if there's some sort of major twist or turnaround that brings me to feeling like what I think you and Mark feel like of this is in a few uh, weeks. That's what I'll tell you. We'll be talking in a few weeks. Okay. So I want what I have one question. Okay. Or one more question. What are your thoughts on metal face as a villain? So there's metal face and then there's like, I don't, I don't want to spoil. You know what face, I mean? I you know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm encompassing every aspect of the character. Okay. Uh 
I'm I'm not prepared for this question, especially since you're talking specifically Metal Face, the character that is singularly called Metal Face. Every yes. aspect of Metal Face, if you know what I mean, yes. I think he's kind of a funny villain to me. I love him. I love him. I think I I want that I wish that voice actor got more work because he is incredibly good at being a horrible prick. He's good at being a prick in in a way that is he also kind of comes off like a a Scooby Doo villain. <laughs> yeah. It's, yes. It's the mo- where he says a line, it looks like your wing like looks like your wings are clipped as his fingers are drenched in blood. And it's just like that is an incredibly cheesy thing to say as you just butchered a person <laughs> to death. And he's just but he, he's laughing as he says it. He enjoys he he takes pleasure in killing and it's just like you're just an awful person and i hate that you're having a great time doing it and he's so good another opinion i've had in this game is i can't believe that you played this game the peter the peter i know now i can't believe that you played through this entire game I feel like I was a lot more open-minded in gaming back then. And also Shulk being in Smash. Or no, he wasn't yet. He wasn't. That's right. Yeah, I didn't have that. I didn't have that time. I don't... I I, I mean, when I first played it, I was like, yeah, I'm bored. And then like a year and a half later, out of boredom, I went back to it. It's like, oh my god, this game is great. I can't put it out. I can't believe it. Either. I don't think I would play this game today. But I played it in a, in a time when I was more open to trying new things. And I'm really goddamn happy I did because it's one of my favorite games of all time. We'll see where it falls on my all-time list. But uh, very much enjoying it. I'm hoping, especially since it's the Switch version, because they streamline things a lot more in this version. I'm hoping around 55 hours I can wrap this up. But there's also the added thing where... I'm obviously playing this with the intent of I'll I'll get to Xenoblade 2 and 3. And DLC matters in all of these. And this has the DLC, which is like an extra 10 hours. And I'm telling you right now, you will not beat it at, at, at 50. 55, though. Oh, oh, no, that won't happen. I just think it's possible. Most Owen, of, no, no. We'll talk in a few weeks. Here, here. Legitimately, uh... I've looked at the how long to be, and the Wii hours are almost 25 hours longer than the Switch ones. So it, it it seems realistic that I could do this, but... I ended around 70. Um, 25 hours, that would be 45. No, that's that's not exact math, but... Maybe I can I can cut it down 15 hours shorter than you, but I'm also doing... I also side never quests. did side quests. I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah. I want to play Pacific Drive. So the the clock's ticking. But I I gotta fight that urge because I don't want to get tired of this game as I'm coming up on the finish line. That's all I've got for what I've been playing though. I've only played that game. Uh I think we are good to just jump right into our first news story. 
Which, Jump right in. This is kind of old news at this point, seeing as our last episode came out the day that this happened. But Xbox had a podcast last Thursday. Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond, and Matt Booty sat down for a podcast to discuss the, quote, future of Xbox. The only real takeaway is that they are bringing four games to other platforms. These games were only talked about in vague terms on the podcast, but we now know them to be Grounded, Sea of Thieves, Pentiment, and Hi-Fi Rush. Peter, do you think this is going to become one of your weekly listens? Are you are you ready to listen to these three all the time if you can? Oh. Well, they're not doing it every week, Owen. No, I'm I'm joking because that's how podcasts. Oh, work. I wasn't sure. Well, after well, look, at last week Mark and I talked, and you were uh, you were quite heated to, with talking about this. On the, I think we 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 thought it was one of the most heated you've ever been on the podcast. We Interesting. Thought. Yes. So going into this today, I I'm still like coming out of the cave, wondering like if Owen has seen his shadow, or if it's six more weeks of Phil Spencer needs to be fired. So I'm just. I'm still, you know, I, now I know I see where you're at, but uh, look, one thing I want to say right off the bat is I, w- I gave them a lot of shit for not saying which four games they specifically were putting onto other consoles. Now it seems like they couldn't just because they had a market Because they had a what? A marketing deal. Like, it's the fact that several of these were announced during a partner direct. Seems like they had a deal with Nintendo of like, look, we're going to announce them first alongside your Nintendo Direct, so we're going to wait. And again, it was only a week, because, again, originally they were going to announce these games later on. They had to bump, they had to bump up the announcement earlier because of all the online, because uh, of the leaks. So, it seems like they did not announce the four games last week, because they already had pre-agreed with deals with PlayStation, well, because PlayStation also did some tweets earlier. So it seems like they already made deals with Nintendo PlayStation. Like, we'll announce these all on the same date. We've already, things already dried. So I don't know about you. I've, I've now neglected. I've now taken off that criticism from the table because others will come up. Uh, well, I, I thought it was still worth noting that it's like, yeah, they were being cagey and weird about it on, on this announcement thing they were doing. I, I wish they had just said, look, we've already made previous deals that we can't back out on of marketing deals. We can't tell you about them because we've already agreed we will announce which games at a certain date through other venture, like through other venues. So apologies. We could have, we would, but we can't. They could have done it better, I think. Yes, I agree. Do you think this cleared up anything? Yes and no. I mean, it cleared it up in that we know what's happening going forward. And it also also cleared up when they're like, just these four games now, but let's be honest, if they sell well, and if they do well, why on earth wouldn't they port more games? They would be stupid not to. I think... I think it cleared up things in the sense that... I think every leak that came out was just correct. Yeah, sure, Starfield and Indy aren't in the plans for now. Except they probably are in the plans. I think those ports are just being developed and they'll they'll just come out in the future. I and agree. and that will be the time in which they're in the plans. Like I'm sorry, the the Pandora's box is open now. There's no there is no reason to think that other games won't be ported. 
There was none. And I, again, Mark and I were more open to the idea. Again, you were very, it'll be the death of Xbox. Mark and I were like, seems like that's probably their best option. Now, do you feel stupid the fact that they gave Game Pass numbers and that was one of your predictions? I think you might have lost like two or three points or predictions in the last week, it feels like. I don't have a good list of my predictions. I have to go back and listen to that episode uh, to see what I actually said. I I think if anyone should feel stupid for announcing Game Pass numbers, it's it's Xbox <laughs> because that that thirty four million includes Game Pass Core. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It tells you how many people canceled once. It seems like gold was no longer a thing. Well, and. I think we were living in this mythical world for a while of there's just millions of people still paying for their Xbox Live Gold just and the, just yeah. because. But actually, most of those people haven't had Xbox Live Gold for two console generations. Well, because we never got, we rarely ever got like numbers from this company about how they're actually doing hardware and software wise. And now we finally are. It's like, oh yeah, we were wrong. That was just a story we told ourselves at night. And I believe the last time they announced they were at 25 million. If they're only at 34. Yeah, that's 9 million over two years, I believe, is what I've heard. Which is not great. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't look good at all. Also, console sales are apparently, I've heard from other podcasts, apparently 22 million. So uh, that's also not great when PlayStation 4 is at 54 million. And with their current plan going forward, I just don't expect that number to increase. I Really, I think almost none of my opinions changed from last week. I might be a little less doom and gloom just by the, the nature of time has passed. But... I really still think they're making a mistake. Sarah Bond got to say that that apparently the next console generation will be the biggest leap yet. Wonderful, great. Why, why are we awesome. still doing that shit? Like I was, a, we were there. We watched the show. I mean, the presentation where they had the people, like, the Microsoft employees, with the I just witnessed the most powerful console reveal ever. Like, sh- like the T-shirts that were straight out of Jonestown and Heaven's Gate shit, talking about Xbox One X. Like, uh, why are we still talking like this? It's ridiculous, especially since there's no leaps happening. No. Like, Like performance-wise, sure, but, like, we're never going to see, like, a fucking PS... Like, a PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 3 is never happening again. It's not. Even if if you go on YouTube and you look up and you find the 4K video of, like, cyberpunk on a... on a rtx 4090 the the highest possible machine you could get it's like yeah it looks great but you're not like man when this comes to console when they get to this point it's like no it's it'll be fine uh i i like how it looks but like i've played horizon forbidden west it's not we're uh, we're not getting butter sorry to cut you off but it's not uh ps1 to ps2 it's not ps2 to 360 and and even 360 to ps4 uh all of those leaps felt bigger they were bigger and we're not 
in that world anymore. And I think most of us have come to accept that. But to bring it around to my original point, they're announcing that they, they have this new hardware coming. And I just don't think I have any plans to get it. At this point, if they're just going to bring their games to other platforms and they're very comfortably in third place, if the only appeal is Game Pass, a service I'm not even subscribed to right now, then I, I don't see a purpose in getting it. I've felt the call a little bit more from the PC ecosystem. I think my plan will just be like, yeah, I'll save up money and within the next two years, like I'll have a nice PC built. And if that will be the assurance to make sure I don't miss anything I might've wanted from Xbox and I'll get other advantages from it as well. I I don't see the point of getting their new console and let, let's not confuse this. I don't subscribe to the idea of like, consoles will just be done in a few years uh we got one maybe two generations max it's like oh we've that's been proven wrong time and time again people still like their consoles but if you treat your console like xbox treats their console i think the idea of them no longer being in the console space becomes much more realistic but i think I think Sony and Nintendo are uh, staying put, personally. Because, again, again, there is no concrete set that, like, rule, there is no concrete rule that three consoles have to exist at all times. You know what I mean? Like, if Xbox, what I'm saying is that I haven't gotten over the fact that your NFL thing was, your NFL, uh, What's the fucking word? I'm sorry. I'm so tired. I can't think straight. Comparison uh, metaphor. Comparison does not work. Actually, and I was right. Did not work because 34 NFL teams always have to exist. No. Three 32. console man. Hmm. 32. 32. 30, 32 NFL teams always have to exist. Three consoles do not. If Xbox falls, no one will take their place. People have thrown around. Maybe Apple will get it. They won't because it's incredibly fucking hard. And around two, I was. Apparently, I was listening to a podcast earlier, Sacred Symbols, and Colin, again, Colin knows his stuff, and he was bringing up articles. It's like, around 200 million people or how many people have been buying consoles. It seems to have peaked around 200 million. A new manufacturer can come in. We are not going to... I do not think we're going to get past that 200 million. It seems like we're set at that number. If Xbox falls, no one is going to take this... No one's going to take their place. There is no reason there has to be a third. And... I won't speak for Mark, but again, with how you're still doom and gloom, like I won't get an Xbox console. This is what happens when you lose. And they've lost. And I know I don't think I'm breaking any ground to, by saying that to you. And I know last week you were like, but they could do this and they could do that. I don't think it matters. People, people aren't coming to the Xbox platform. And the series is so... The Xbox Series X is not my favorite console i've ever owned but it's easily one of the best it's a great piece of hardware people aren't coming but part of that is that they they just don't they don't have the trust behind them they don't have the library behind them where i know 
part of the logic to to hi-fi rush and pentiment coming over i mean phil spencer pretty much said as much as like the they were never meant to be like system selling exclusives okay but when you have that system selling exclusive it also helps when you can point to other things that are like here are other things you might like that you can only get here if your whole plan is to only have the halos and the starfields of the world exclusive i just don't think that works it helps to have things that build your brand and when you decide oh these are these are less important parts of the brand that this can just go everywhere in an industry in an industry where part of the brand building is what you are keeping from other people what you are keeping solely to your platform I just think it diminishes it all. I wouldn't say it's le- I wouldn't say they're lesser than in that people aren't buying X. They did not buy Xboxes for Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush did as well as it could on the Xbox platform, and now it can go out to other systems and make them more money. That makes sense to me. But there's no when the next thing that is being touted as. I don't know. Uh, let's let's say it's Elder Scrolls Six, which is an actual system seller. Uh, when that comes out, people won't be able to say, or some people will be, but not everyone will be able to say, "I'm just going to get that console for that game." The idea would be that game's finally coming out. I'm going to pull the trigger. And there's all these other things that I've missed. I've always wanted to play Hi-Fi Rush, but I wasn't going to buy the console for that. I get to play that. I've always wanted to play insert whatever game had come out at this point that could be added to that tier of game. That tier of game still matters to the platform. But when you let everyone get the opportunity to play it, uh, it goes to PlayStation and, and all these PlayStation gamers that you know, maybe you could have won them over one day to buy your Xbox as well. You just made it much more likely that they're never going to do that. They're just going to assume that the game will come to PlayStation. I ch- I will continue, and I will do this in Mark's stead because I know he wanted to. Say, I, Mark and I will continue to push back at that idea of maybe one day they'll come. They're not. The PlayStation people are not coming. They're comfortable where they are. And if clearly, if they've bought another thing, it's either PC or the Switch. They're not coming to Xbox. And they've made it abundantly clear. They have not come to Xbox and they have no intention of coming, despite whatever exclusives they have, even before this news. We don't need to retread everything we talked about last week. I know. But... Mark and I were right. And that's how no, it was. no. I mean, I, I continue to be right. My response is, or my my side in general, is still in response to Phil Spencer's belief that they could release 11 out of 10 games and no one would care. And I just simply do not believe that. I believe if they consistently released high-quality games that, bringing back the sports team comparison, there would be people in the seats. They'd be there. People just want the reason to be able to get behind you people don't hate xbox by and large they have good memories of their xbox 360 
And then it was Xbox's fault that they didn't get people coming over to future generations. And part of that is that they still have not hit a point where they are consistently putting out games that matter. The PS3 was behind, way behind. And then they started coming back because they started releasing games that matter. They That's not the... No, that... they, they weren't as far behind as Xbox. I know this. Yeah, know exactly. This. They weren't. But they still... They just doubled down on the quality of their games, and it worked out. And I still fundamentally believe that if they had high-quality games on their platform, people would care. For the most part, they don't have that high quality of games. There are the outliers. Hi-Fi Rush is a high-quality game, but it's a smaller game. Starfield didn't do what it needed to do. We can't We can't have the hypothetical of it was an 11 out of 10 and still there are no new Game Pass subscribers and no new console owners because it wasn't. If, if they just released better games, I think they would have been in a better spot. But at this point, they're punting and they're saying, no, we're just not. We're going to release our average games and they're going to go everywhere and, and our consoles will slowly fade into irrelevance. But this podcast... They also announced uh, Diablo 4 coming to Game Pass. You think you're going to jump in, Peter? I do like that uh, Activision games are actually starting to come to the servers now. About time. I like that as well. If I do play Diablo 4, it would probably be through that. Uh, I've always been interested in a Diablo game, but I've never had the opportunity to actually play one. I've never been willing to pull the trigger and, and actually buy the game. Did you have any other major takeaways from this podcast? I would it- say Phil Spencer saying everything he did on the Xbox podcast, saying that specifically saying Indy and Starfield are not going to go to multiple platforms. But then in an interview that was also released at the same time saying, well, we can never rule anything out for good. It's like, well, okay, that's, consistent messaging which is something they've never been great at I would still appreciate that but it doesn't seem like it's something they're interested in themselves other than that I I would say with again even though Mark and I think that this is the best approach for them possible it's still not great but it's the best approach in terms of Xbox and hardware they're like oh we're going to make another console sure you are and I'll believe it the one more but I will quote Deus Ex Human Revolution of, this isn't the end of the world, but I can see it from here. That's how I feel about Xbox at this current point and its current iteration. I think they're going to continue to, they'll definitely drag out one more console, but I mean, if if the series if the series is selling only 22 million at this point, how much could a a future one sell? It, It doesn't Especially when when you are lowering the value proposition to to buying into your platform. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't think this podcast did them any favors. I I think it needs to also be called out about how just the these three specifically, Phil at least has 
developed the ability to at least sound like he's talking like a human being, even though he's just doing PR speak. But you do this format and you make it seem like you're going to truly level with the audience. And uh, Matt Booty, I, I almost don't even know why he was there. Like he had like one two minute segment where he spoke about what like the pillars of Game Pass are, which I guess was And fine. he looked very nervous. And tense. he did look tense. And Sarah Bond, I always just assumed that she talked like that for like the the showcases. But she just always kind of has like marketing announcer voice going, apparently. And they also they gave her the the softballs of Diablo 4 and new hardware. She got to say all the good things. Uh, I thought that was noteworthy. Uh, and Phil was just kind of like, yeah, maybe this will happen. Maybe this won't. So <laughs> I don't think anything was actually cleared up. I don't think this helped them at all. Anyone that has the take that this was all cleared up in some capacity. Oh, or, like a Tolt or, Beastwood, uh, like something like that. I Just a random... Like a, a, anyone who would go anything close to that name, right? Oh, People yeah, like that. Oh, pff, fuck Colt, Colt Eastwood. Well, um, I didn't say his name. <laughs> I was trying to be clever about it, but uh, you are trying to you're trying to get us in the drama, Owen. If we ever take off, this is going to be found, and now you're going to be turning on Xbox Twitter. So have fun with that one day. Okay, sure. Because I I just can't stand. Uh, we had the agreement last week that we couldn't base our argument on the fringes of the audiences i i consider someone like him in his position as a content creator on, on the fringe of the audience uh that takes it to a level too far but uh yeah no anyone that thinks like wow everyone overreacted they finally cleared up everything you all feel foolish now it's like no actually i think I think just about everything that was leaked is is planned to happen by the sounds of all of this. My thing is, as of this moment and the next couple of years, things are fine. Down the line, everything people freaked out about last week is going to happen. It's just it's a it is a delayed ignition. I think the way I would put it to agree with you is my reaction is is the kind of balanced one if you if you're a if you feel like a slighted xbox fan where i'm not selling my series x or anything i'm still playing my series x i'm just not planning to buy their next console like at this point it, they've they've shown me behavior that i don't necessarily want to buy into so i don't plan to buy into it and for the record I reserve the right to change my mind at all times. Peter, the Nintendo the Nintendo Switch 2 might have been delayed till 2025 according to VGC and Pedro Henrique Luti Lip. I don't know how to pronounce it. He's a that Brazilian. That was that was baller. No, he's a Brazilian journalist that that initially reported this. Uh Nintendo's telling third-party partners that the Switch 2 has been delayed until early 2025. These reports have been corroborated by 
Eurogamer and Bloomberg. How are you feeling? I don't believe them. Okay, go for it. I'm glad Mark isn't here because I can now stand on my fucking Nintendo soapbox. I'm sorry. They did a partner direct and a Pokemon, and they're doing a Pokemon day at the end of the month. They're not doing a normal direct at this time. They're acting strange. They're acting different. I just don't believe that it's not coming this year. I don't believe it. They only have Paper Mario Thousand Year Door remake and Luigi's Mansion 2 remake. That's it. For the rest of the year, there's nothing else. No other games are getting deal. Well, okay, Splatoon Side Order, which is which came out. Uh, Splatoon 3 Side Order comes out in 22 minutes. So, yeah, there's another thing. But the Switch is at the end. They're making it abundantly clear it's at the end. If there is going to be a, if there is going to be another year of the Switch, we would have had a real direct this like today, but it didn't happen. I'm sorry. You can't it I just don't buy it. I do not buy it. But, uh, this logic doesn't make sense to me though. It's like why can't it just be a down year and then and then the new one comes out in 2025 they they towards the end of the year they do their whole reveal direct for the new console and then it's like get it in february why why is that not on the table just don't understand how they could have come this far and then they would how could how could you be working on the hardware and the software for this long and be so close to takeoff and it's like we need three more months. What 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 could have happened? I did ask last week if you guys had any worries if if they delay the the release because of how well the original Switch is, is selling. I'm not saying that I truly believe that's what has happened, but I think that's an option for what has happened. I saw someone on Twitter talk about how they could have delayed it because the 3D Mario platformer wouldn't have been ready to launch this year. And to that, I, I just say, it didn't need it anyway. If it had come out, let's say it is delayed. Okay, for, for the next couple of minutes, I'm, I, for the sake of conversation, even though I don't agree with it, I will talk under the impression that it's been delayed. And if it is delayed, it'll come out in March. Because March is when the original Switch came out. So that tells me that, all right, March has been a proven month that hard work can successfully launch in. So let's say, for the second conversation, it is the Switch 2 has been delayed to March 2025, okay? If you only needed a few more months to make the 3D Mario, you could have still launch the damn thing in November and it wouldn't have been fine. It would have been fine. There was no scenario where you have a repeat of like the Wii U because the 3D Mario, you so blatantly announce along, like alongside the reveal of this console is like, it'll come out a couple months after. No, it's going to be like, well then fuck this entire console. That doesn't make sense. You could have still released it in November alongside Metroid Prime 4 and other launch titles you have set for the thing, and just announced, oh yeah, the next Mario is coming just in two to three more months. That's a perfectly sane, reasonable window. That's not a kill shot for the Switch 2. It's, it's frustrating. There's, there's a few different aspects to this. I would hope. I think Nintendo is definitely scared 
of what happened with the Wii U. And they don't ever want to be in that position again where uh, there's nothing there's nothing really at launch. There's nothing on the horizon of things that can actually like sell the system and get people to buy it. So they're obviously scared of that, but also there's sort of a, like assuming these rumors are true, which they, they also, they probably aren't true. Uh, the, the whole, they're delaying it because of the 3d Mario game, but assuming they are true, there's kind of like a we've come this far type of thought process. We want these two things to be lined up. Let's just make sure they're lined up. Why Why have one jumped the gun over the other? I don't really see the benefit of that. I know the Switch hardware is old. We'd like to upgrade it. I'm not really getting that upset, though, that the difference between November and March. Like, I think I can, I can deal with it. If that's the case, I still, when do you think they will announce the switch to them? If it has been delayed the next March, probably November. If I had to, guess. no, no, I'm not waiting that long. Like fucking, I, I if it's coming out next March, like not, Next, you know what I mean? March 2025, that's when it's coming out. And now it's the fucking thing in the summer. Give it a long ass build up. Give it a long fucking marketing cycle. Let's get this thing going. Have like a direct or two build up for this goddamn Switch to just announce. Just you could announce so many games, so many things. Like just build up so much excitement for this thing that people can't, like they can't fucking sit still they're so excited for this thing not just metroid prime 4 and 3 mario announced other games you do a, again you hate this but like do a marvel except nintendo can do that because they don't cancel their games for the most part if nintendo announces a game it's going to come out and it will be good i'm not against them announcing it in the summer i just think they're going to cut it close because they they just still want to sell as many switches as possible. And I don't Would think that... it, it's, have you ever had the experience where <clears throat> you're watching, you're watching a YouTube video and Mr. Beast. And you hear the YouTuber say like, and in conclusion, and then you just get ready to, you just turn off the video pretty much right away. Cause you just know like, Oh, we're at the end of the video. Have you ever had that experience? Yes, sometimes, but like I didn't, I didn't pay three hundred dollars to watch Mr. Beast like build up a small community and then burn it down for ten million dollars or whatever the fuck it is he does. I just think Nintendo has this logic with the Switch of never say die. Like, don't let anyone think that this could actually be coming to an end until the new thing is actually here. And the strategy seems to be working. I mean, we're going to talk about the PlayStation story in a minute, but talk about two two opposite approaches of PlayStation acknowledging the latter half, whereas I I felt like it was it was a year or two ago where Nintendo said that they they thought 
the switch was about halfway through and we had already had it for like six years. We have now hit year seven with the switch. That's how long it's been here. And it's obviously it's, it's not like selling like 10 million every three months, but it hasn't really had a bad marketing or like a bad, like financial cycle. Both hardware and software wise, it always has done well. It's never thought it's, thought its entire seven year run. It's never stopped. It's never slowed down. It's impressive. I mean, it's a it's a wonderful console. I definitely want the upgrade. And I I also agree with you where I almost care about seeing it more than I care about getting the upgrade. It's like I've been waiting so long. I want to see what they're gonna do with this. Yes. And again, if this thing is titled like Super Nintendo Switch, that's still the best title to go with. But you have 140, as of now, there'll probably be like another couple more million by the time we get to here. But like, you have 140 million people you need to sell on this. You need to get as much of that 140 million as possible over to the Super Nintendo Switch. So I just feel like the longer marketing cycle helps. Because, like, let's say, like, once Peach comes out and, like, Paper Mario Remake and Luigi Match 2, the games are out. At that point, you're pretty much done. Like, you're not putting out any other first-party software on this thing for the most part. Maybe a couple cross-gen games that I don't really think that matters. At that point on, you have to get ready and you have to sell. The next thing, you are not selling any more games. The next thing you are selling is a piece of hardware. And the longer marketing cycle to get as many of those 140 million over to the next side as you can humanly get seems like it makes the most sense to me. And having the more and more marketing time with that makes the most sense to me. I don't entirely disagree. I just don't think that that's their philosophy. The the one sort of side opinion I'll give that I, I don't know if I've actually had this opinion on the show or not. When it comes to the best name for it, I do not expect this to be the name, but unfortunately, I do think it's the best name. Watch your fucking mouth. I think it's Switch 2. I think that's the best name because there's no confusion there. It's the it, it is the next Switch. PlayStation had it right. They just fucking numbered their things. That's all they need. That's all any of these companies needed to do was number their things. I'm fine with this. As long as it's the the worst case scenario is what they did with the new Nintendo 3DS. If they call this the new Nintendo Switch, that is the worst case scenario. You're gonna have to pay for my bail because I'm gonna go insane. I'm gonna end up in jail. <laughs> I I can't the, the, if it is called if it is Mark and I talk about uh, not only if Mark and I talk about this a lot of people in the overall Nintendo community have talked about this if the next Switch is called the new Nintendo Switch it is like we are now like moving chairs into the Titanic it is over it everything everything we have right now is gone. I agree with you. I I do think that that is the most disastrous option. I don't know what they were doing for a few years there where they were adding that like new sticker to a bunch of things. I don't know. I don't know, but they did it so many times. It's like, well, clearly you think something this is like good. You think you're you think you're you're pushing a genuine product with a good name and that's not at all what you're doing and you're scaring me the fact that you keep doing this and you can't see you're fucking up. 
Well, the good thing is, is that we haven't seen this happen in about eight years or so. Well, we haven't. Well, they're not going to call it the Switch Lite, the new Nintendo Switch, because it's smaller. It's a whole. I just, just, just do this right. If you're going to delay it, fine. Just get the fucking name right. I, I, I will get on my knee, hands and knees. I'm begging you, do not fuck up the naming convention of this thing. Do you have a prediction for the first trailer of the Switch 2? What strange location they'll have some adults playing the second Nintendo Switch at? We can't wait. I will, but before that, Mark and I were in the car last week and we were talking about man remember when everyone made fun of that first nintendo switch ad for like oh look at that guy bringing it to parties what a loser and then that totally fucking happened yeah it does happen yeah it happens a lot it happens a lot i remember i was like who the fuck would bring their nintendo switch to a party and then it fucking always happens throughout the thing's life and it's like all right what did i know all right they got me there my, but anyway my prediction but, is that it, w- it won't be played as real life obviously it'll it'll be sort of stylized in this way they're going to make some sort of illusion of like the this is like a takeoff moment for the switch extra power futuristic someone's going to be playing this thing in in a spaceship that's my prediction someone will be dry will be playing it in a self-driving car that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. I think we should talk about the PS5 sales drama. Do you agree? No, I don't. What, what, what am I supposed to say to this? Like, that's why I'm here. Well, well the, the idea is you if you had more to say about the Nintendo Switch, you could have chimed in there to say, actually, I have one more point. If the clock now. numbers were different numbers, then maybe. But we're at what we're at right now. Fair enough. So PS5 had their quarterly sales report. Hiroki Totoki, the current stand-in CEO, was laying out all of the different things. PS5 sales are a little bit down, I think. Um, I don't have a full chart of everything that happened. I'm mainly concerned with the main quote that came out of this, which... (laughs) I do think it's it's worth pointing this out specifically <clears throat> where IGN titled their their story PS5 entering quote the latter stage of its life cycle Sony says and they had quotes there and the actual quote is is latter half and I just don't understand how they got that quote wrong They are acknowledging that the PS5 is in the latter half of its life cycle. They, uh, quote, anticipate a gradual gradual decline in unit sales from next fiscal year onwards. We expect third-party software sales to continue to expand gradually due to the expansion of the PS5 installed base and the high level of user engagement. So basically, they think we're... We reached the top of the hill. We're going to slide down at this point, but we're halfway through. We're four years in. Uh, We logically assume we have four years left. First, let's just talk about this story. 
did this story jump out to anything as as big to you as it did to a lot of people online? Did you not see what he said about Bungie? No, I didn't. He fl- called out their leadership. Oh, actually, no, no, I did. I did see this. Uh, that was like my like my eyes came out of my head like a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon. The fact that he he could have been like some of our developers and some of our teams have like. They have like mindsets I disagree with or approaches to their game development that I would, you know, advise against. He flat out named Bungie. Let me see if I can find the exact quote because I have the transcript pulled up. He does not name anyone else other than them. Uh, okay. Quote now about visiting the studios and about Bungie. I've had meetings with the leaders there, the studios. People who work in the studios have very high motivation. They're very highly motivated. They're very good people, and they're very creative people. They have great creative minds, and they also have knowledge about live streaming. However, having said that, when it comes to the business itself, I think there is room for improvement. And that's got to do about how to use the money or about the schedule of development or how to fulfill one's accountability towards development, etc. Those are my frank impressions, so I will continue to engage in dialogue with the people so that we can find the right way to proceed. That's... Yeah. That's a pretty big statement. A a big enough statement that I don't know if he's going to be the interim CEO. For very yeah, like this like, is I, the, I think this he'll be is the, the guy who's yeah Jim Ryan leaves next month. This is the guy who's stepping in for Jim Ryan. Like I, I can't believe it. <laughs> he, he names he's hey, everyone else. He says studios and Bungie. Bungie does feel like <laughs> they feel like a mistress for PlayStation in a weird yes. way. Where like the PlayStation did buy them, they they paid to own them, and it just feels like this relationship won't last very long. And it's like I want to know. Look at PlayStation's first endeavor into live service with Helldivers. I want to know how much say did Bungie have with them? Did Bungie do anything with that with Arrowhead? Did they have any say in that game's development? I wish more than anything that we could see like an uncut version of like a documentary crew following around these these bungee consultations so that we could see like what was actually said about Last of Us Online, what was said about all of these different games, and then I also want to see the the PlayStation execs coming into Bungie as as problems came down that that is the type of behind the scenes shit that we need more of we'll never get but my god it would be good to see i mean the fact that bungie had the power to go into playstation's biggest studio and kill the project they're working on and they really don't have fuck all i mean honestly probably for the best in years down the line i think we'll be thankful for the fact that they made that decision but just I look. I hope. I hope something good comes from this Bungie acquisition in the years from now. But so far, it's just like seems like it was a bad idea. Seems like it was a bad idea, but also 
Totoki, he hits on a point that just about any outside observer could say, but I'm hoping he has some sort of solution to the idea that a lot of these studios don't necessarily know how to handle the business, and that's the reason for inflated budgets and how things have gotten so out of control. I I hope he's right that there's actually a solution to be found here because it's obviously unsustainable. I'm I'm pretty sure another another big takeaway from this is that the profit margins for PlayStation are quite low. Uh I want to say it's about 6%, but don't quote me on that cuz I don't have the writing right in front of me. But uh, this kind of even comes back to all of our points about Xbox, where ultimately I'm rooting technically for all of these companies to do well because I like consoles and I like console gaming. They don't need to do well. It's not something that will keep me up at night either. But like I want PlayStation to ultimately figure out a way to make more money so that they can ideally continue to make things that I like. So maybe Mr. Totoki has some solutions for these studios to make the development process a little more streamlined, a little more budget friendly. Like let's, I mean, Helldivers is $40. Uh, Hellblade 2 is going to be $50. The Prince of Persia Metroidvania was fifty dollars. Pal World was thirty dollars. Like you're already, we're already slowly starting to see ga- smaller games come out at smaller prices. I mean, like a fucking forty dollar game that is a co op experience, like like that, like kind of it's a callback to the three hundred and sixty PS three area. is currently the biggest game in the games industry. It seems like we're quick, we're pretty quickly going back to like twenty years ago. I think a consumer response to the $70 price hike and the just kind of state of the economy is that games need to be priced what they're worth. And people will still pay $70 for God of War Ragnarok or for Spider-Man 2. That's fine. I don't think... Helldivers 2 would be as popular if it was $70, though. Oh, of course not. Of course not. And that's something that the PC market figured out, because Steam games are all over the place. It is very rare, really, to go on the front page of Steam and see $70 games everywhere. Most of the time, you're going to see $15, $8, $25. Like, it's going to be completely across the board and i think that's something that it would be better off for these companies to explore that and in a way you can you can almost set expectations through manipulating the price if playstation decides to release a lot more games along the lines of hell divers of okay this is a 25 dollar one this is a, a 40 dollar one but but now Naughty Dog's new game came out. You guys know the deal. This is a $70 one. I I kind of think that that, that uh, attribution of quality is 
something that makes sense to people. Like they understand that that the big budget Naughty Dog game should be seventy dollars, but not everything needs to be at that level. Like, does anyone think like GTA Six will sell worse for being seventy dollars? Of course not. No, there are certain there are certain studios that can get away with seventy dollar games. Naughty Dog is one of them. People would buy would pay seventy dollars for The Last of Us Part Three. Of course they would. Their new IP. Of course they would. Would they pay seventy dollars for Helldivers Two? Of course they wouldn't. Which, by the way, just another little thing for Helldivers Two. I've been to multiple retailers in the last like last week or two. Everyone I've gone to, Helldivers has been completely sold out. Wow, I actually didn't even know there was a physical release. I didn't either, but I would see the thirty nine ninety nine tag to say Helldivers Two and no fucking game. Multiple stores I've been to. I want to see Helldivers Two physical. Oh, look at that! Oh my god, it's getting review bombed on Best Buy. Fuck you guys! I know. They're just—it's the whiny—it's the whiny statistics at it again. Oh, and I know what you say all the time about the record. Uh, let's transition this into the main topic. As we're talking the latter half of the PS5. We have four years left. We've gone through four years. We've already done the state of PlayStation. Let's take a look back, though. And consider how this console has actually performed. I kind of want to... I want to tee this off uh, with the tenor that I'm coming at this from, which is... It doesn't feel like it's been four years. No. A lot of that is is warped COVID brain, uh, which still does exist when it comes to thinking of, of time, and specifically from 2020 until just about 2022 doesn't really feel like a, a full period of time. And I still have this feeling that I have no regrets upgrading by any means but i do not think this has been a great console generation i just think it's been a lot of coasting it's been a lot of iterative improvements that are nice but not necessary in any way and i fear that the next four years will look quite similar but I kind of want to I want to get your impressions of where you're feeling with the PS5 at this point. So far it has felt like the PlayStation 4 part 2. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. It doesn't feel like a next gen leap has been made. The two most exciting games, and I say this as someone who did not like one of these, the two most exciting games of the PS5, I would say have been Returnal and Helldivers 2. Everything else has just been a sequel. Now, don't get me wrong. Well, mostly been a sequel. I, what you're saying, like, Astro's Playroom could be technically a sequel to, like, Astrobot... What? Rescue Mission? What the fuck's it called? The VR one? I believe it's Rescue Mission. I but, don't. I, th- I think that's a different thing, even though it's part of the same series. Okay, well, then that's another... Okay, well, then that's the third most exciting thing they've done, because goddamn best 3D platformer I've ever played. But... For the most part, and again, I really, I fucking loved 
God of War Ragnarok. I loved Spider-Man 2. I had a good Verizon Rude Must was pretty fucking good. I fucking love Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. But it's it's so far just been like, hey, it's like it's like, hey, did you see the PS4? Do you want to see us do it again? It's like it's that's just the vibes. We talked about this in PlayStation. I'm not gonna go too far into this, but what we need for these next four years, which I do not think we're gonna get, is what are the new IP? What are the fucking who are the Aloy? Who are the Jin? Who are the what's the fucking what's the name of the character from Ghost of Tsushima? Jin Sakai. Who's the Jin Sakai? Who's the Aloy? Who's the Astrobot of of the PlayStation Five? And I didn't think we were going to get, get that because we're going to get the next Ghost. We're going to get Last of Us Part Three, and we're going to get whatever else Naughty Dog. I mean, maybe Naughty Dog's new IP is a PS Five game. I don't know, but we're going to get Death Stranding Two, and it's just more sequels, which isn't a necessarily a bad thing, especially when a lot of these games are great to fantastic. But I want that next. I want to see who what what the next. Who the next faces of PlayStation are? I want to go to new worlds. I want to experience like new stories. I want to meet new characters. Like I, it just feels like we're coasting off the fumes of PlayStation Four, and it's again, it's. I don't think it's been a bad generation by any stretch of the imagination. It just feels like we're playing it safe, and that's technically fine, even good, but it's not great. It's not exciting, and I want excitement. I've tried to think about what it is that we're looking for because you you said it with those sequels many of them are great games they're they're improvements objectively on the games that came before and yet there's still kind of this takeaway of yeah I just played another one of those games I felt that way with God of War Ragnarok more so than you did I also felt that way with Spider-Man 2 to some extent. Both these games I do think are great. Uh, but You don't think Ragnarok is great. I think Ragnarok is good. There you go. <laughs> but uh, the the point still stands. I, I would never deny the the like objective quality that comes with Ragnarok in the sense of production value especially. What I wanted to see in this generation and I say this more in hindsight at this point, because I don't think we're getting it at all with the PS5, was the next identity evolution of PlayStation. They developed the cinematic third-person style at the very tail end of the PS3. You can you can kind of say during the PS3, I guess, with Uncharted, but it didn't really solidify itself until The Last of Us. And then they realized that they had something they could go forward with in the PS4. And it worked out wonderfully. But I'm ready for the next thing. I want them to experiment with gameplay a little bit more. And you called out Returnal and Helldivers 2. Those are the two biggest experiments with gameplay. They... I feel that part of the PlayStation identity has been sort of bringing game storytelling forward. I wish that they would try and do that again in a different way. Not 
make it a bigger budget, make it look even more photorealistic. It's like, how about you figure out a different way to tell these stories to me? Because I, I think give you games are art styles again. Yeah, give games please. art styles like. Like, look at Astro. Like, what if you had like a fu- like just like uh, like Astrofod and fucking Ratchet are art styles. Those are like Hell Hell Divers is too. Like, obviously not as much as the former, but like, give games looks again. The be- the prettiest game does not equal most realistic. That is a lesson that PlayStation picked up during PS4, and it has not dropped that. And it's like does not like. That's not a bad thing, but just everyone doing it now for the like you know everyone like everyone doing it now for the most part it's like come the fuck on mix it up like I hope to God that Corey Barlog and Naughty Dog new IPs are not going to be photorealism, but of course they will be. Of course they will. Uh, speaking of photorealism, do you have any take on the on the yellow paint debate? Have you seen I think this? you should be able to turn it on and off, but the people who are like, it makes us dumber, the fact that people need this. And again, but then you have people who work on the games wouldn't be like, we tried to design these levels without these yellow paints, and, pe- and the playtesters would get lost for hours. So it's like, well, clearly they're needed. You just be able to turn them on and off. My, my main take is what you just said, which is, I just wish we had art styles again. Because... Those only exist because they tried to make everything photorealistic. You can't distinguish between things. And in order to understand a game, you you have to developers have to kind of create the visual language that helps guide the player. And the player has to be able to intuitively pick that up. Well, in photorealistic games, the most intuitive way to do that is to have yellow paint everywhere. I think it's pretty inelegant, but obviously required. And my takeaway is just like, yeah, I wish this was more stylized so that you could have it stand out more instead of trying to make it look like a realistic cliffside. Yeah, like look at look at Ratchet, look at Jack, and look at Sly. You put them in a line and you ask someone, are these all are these characters all from the same game? They will tell you no. If you put Joel, if you put Sully, and you put the fucking guy from Days Gone all in a line, and you ask someone, are these all from the same game? Odds are they're going to say yes. There's there's just too much uniformity. I feel like BNY has been on this for a while now that, that we've yes, wanted we have. to see something different. And we've also been on it for a while now that we don't think it was going to come. Do we... Here's kind of a higher picture question. Do do you really expect them to pursue this different identity at any point? Or do you think you know PlayStation 6 will come along and it'll just be the next evolution of this type of game? Until these games start selling significantly less, I don't think they'll stop. Like, I I can't believe Kratos is still allowed to look the way he does. The fact that Kratos still has a character design, like, I I didn't think that was allowed anymore, but apparently it is. 
he's a character design that also just looks like a big man at the same time. But even like, <laughs> but look at God of God of War three. I I feel like God of War three has more of an like aesthetic to it than twenty eighteen and Ragnarok. Uh, I'm gonna look up a screenshot, but I I almost certainly agree with you. Um, but but what's what's the point you're trying to make? Are you trying to ma- say that God of War 2018 and Ragnarok, uh, yes, lack, lack well, character like, in that way? The point I'm trying to make is that like I one I just like Kratos is a when you see Kratos is an iconic looking character, even 2018 and Ragnarok. Joel and Ellie are not iconic looking characters. Nathan Drake is not an iconic looking character. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I'm saying like, man, I'm surprised that we're still allowing iconic character designs and he doesn't just look like fucking everyone else. I think there's uh, an aspect to gaming as well that I want human stories, like things things that we can relate to. But I don't necessarily need those stories coming from like humans per se we're, like we're, sly cooper can suffer from alcoholism yes the he's allowed I, to do that there's like a drinking Fucking... mini game in one of those games isn't there sly cooper 3 a storyline in sly cooper 3 is murray blaming himself for his best friend murray a best friend bentley being handicapped and paralyzed to a wheelchair that's a storyline <laughs> Like a fucking hippo talking about, I blame myself for my turtle friend being paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of his life. That was allowed. Like the PlayStation didn't fucking burn up in flames. Well, no, a uh, naughty dog. They tried going back to Jack and Dexter, but they realized they needed to tell more mature stories. And not o- not only that, the art style. Like the, I, I, you should one day look up what like the art, like the concept art from Jack Four. I've, they seen, worked I've on the, seen it. It's bad. It, it took the serious photorealistic turn, and it's like, what are you doing? This is fun. Like, what they were going to do to Jack, I'm surprised they didn't fully get away with doing the Kratos, is what I'm trying to say. Jack would have lost all of his... Well, thankfully for Kratos, he's white and red, so you can't take those colors from him. But my God, they were going to do it to Jack and Daxter, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm at the point with games in general, but especially with PlayStation where I'm not by any means like anti cutscene. You can obviously have cutscenes to help tie stories together. I just wish they'd go for something more experiential in the future. Uh, start innovating. Yeah. Yeah. Start innovating. I even this, this is probably a reach of a comparison, but if you take the developer Lucas Pope, who is a former Naughty Dog worker, and look at his work as an indie dev, it is Papers, Please, and Oberdin. Two very, very different and stylized takes on how to tell stories within games. It's like the talent exists at these places. Here, here's a guy that came from one of these places. And he went on to do that, regardless of our thoughts on Oberdin. I mean, it's it's objectively like creative. Uh like just like include an ounce of that type of energy so that 
we can get more varied experience. I don't I don't want these games to feel like I'm just going through this combat section so that I can get to the next cutscene, which is what they've started to feel like. I'd I'd say around the time Last of Us Part Two came out, that's when that feeling started setting in for me of I'm really liking this, but I'm really just kind of going through it so that I can I can see the next movie segment that they have. When it comes to the user experience of the PlayStation 5, do you still have any complaints about that? Are you used to it? Do you think they've improved me, it in any way? Let me hold down the fucking button and let me turn it off that way. What are we doing? We're four years in and I hold the PlayStation button on the goddamn DualSense and it just opens up other menus. When I hold the Xbox button down, it gives me the option to turn the fucking console off. The PS4 did that. The PS3 did that. What are we doing? We're four years in. This is a joke. It is crazy that they've never improved that. And they just, I mean, if they were going to do it, they would have done it by now. They are clearly making a conscious decision that, eh, we're not doing it this time around. Why? Can the hardware not handle this? I don't understand. Talk to me like I'm stupid because I must be. I want to give a shout out to their. I mean, it's technically the share button. I don't know if it's labeled the share button on uh, on the PlayStation 5 anymore. But the one thing, as someone who makes videos, I very much appreciate is that I can record all of my gameplay straight through the PS5, which is so useful. And I can easily get it off the PS5 as well, whereas Xbox is still having me. I think the maximum I can record is 90 seconds at a time. Then I got to plug in my capture card and have my laptop hooked up with it. It's very annoying. This is only a me problem, but I very much appreciate that the PlayStation 5 has this functionality. I don't really have much else to go off of, so I'll leave with this question, Peter. You're talking to someone who still has just been playing on the PS4. And they ask you, should they get a PS5 now? Should they wait for a PS5 Pro? Or should they just get like a Series S or something so that they can play some of the new games coming out? The maybe, maybe exclusives aren't their big thing. What do you think you would tell them? Wait for the PS5 Pro what i would say because again i don't want to if you if you like all these games of playstation 4 you're going to love the sequels to them these are still great the fantastic games and again there are a couple new experiences like astro's playroom and returnal and hell divers too like there are new experiences to be found they're just a microcosm and the vast majority is just more of what you have right now but it's better it's a better version of what you have right now and if you really like what you have right now get it on much better hardware so I, I would say a pro to that to this person. I think I'd also say a pro. Um, if they if they really weren't married to the exclusives, I believe it or not would probably say an S, despite everything I'm saying about Xbox. But that's mainly just a reflection of me trying to convey like I I still kind of don't think that PlayStation Four gamers have really missed out on very much. They've missed out on 
Returnal and is Helldivers is that on only PlayStation Five? Yes, Helldivers Two is PlayStation Five and PC. Okay, so they've also missed Ratchet and Clank and Astro's Playroom. That's not crazy. They've missed Final Fantasy Sixteen. Gran Turismo Seven. That's not on PS4. I don't believe it is. I know Sackboy's Big Adventure was cross-platform, so they thankfully got that. And it was a good game, but I mean, come on. And they uh, also, the the other big ones the, would be Spider-Man 2 and Final Fantasy 16 as well. Demon Souls Remake. Demon Souls Remake. It's a remake. I don't know. I don't know if that moves the needle. It's crazy how few only PlayStation 5 games there are, though, still. I know. Crazy. I, know. I would agree, everybody. Mark, Whoa. what are you doing? <laughs> Mark, You are not allowed to talk about your second. time with Yakuza. You're not allowed to. We're close to the end. You're not doing it. Guys, I've played so many games in the past week. I've played so many games. Where are you at in Yakuza? Owen. Oh, Owen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here, everybody's done. <laughs> everyone, he's done. Yeah, I did it. I beat Yakuza 6, everybody. Not to interrupt, wow. of course. And what else and have then, you been playing? You can give us the list, and then we're ending this episode. Owen, I swear to God. Um, There's this game. I, I was on Open Critic this morning looking at stuff for the league because, you know, of course, the Nintendo Direct happened, right? And I noticed the game just came out. It got a 92 on Open Critic. I've heard of this game. I had not heard of this game, and all I had to do was read one review to be like, it's like poker meets Slay the Spire. And I was like, well, that's all I needed to hear. I think it's called Baruka. I literally up, like, downloaded it. It's, it's yeah, called Balletro. Yeah. Balletro, yes. And it's actually fantastic. Oh, my God. I I saw a I'm card, like, and I went, no, thank you. It's just like the Ace of Spades, Peter. Like, that's it. <laughs> I, I, nope, I, I might try it because I like poker. It's super, super cool. But yeah, because it was cool, everybody. Uh, I did cry towards the end. They got nice. me. Anything else? Um, I started Midnight Suns, but I, I don't want to talk about that game right now. Okay. But I guess the one last thing, I don't know, guys. Um, you know, every now and then I get together with groups of friends and we've been playing the games. And I don't like to talk about them all the time because they're just making progress slowly. But a year and a half, if not two years in the making, I finished Grounded with my friends the other day. Whoa. Grounded is done, finally. That's a big just deal. Was it worth it? Uh, it, was, it was a good game. It just it took us a long time. Just uh, just weeks where the objective was just like, yeah, we're just going to like upgrade the base. We're going to spend six hours just turning our giant grass tower into a, a mushroom tower. And it's like, well, that was a whole night we just spent doing this. And we never got attacked, like, ever to the point where it was really justified to do that. So it's just like, oh, we upgraded for nothing. And there was just a lot of that along the way, like, where we just kind of got tired. Just like, if this is this is most of our playthrough at this point. We should just finish the game already. Nothing's going to attack our towers. There's no bee that's going to... There, well, there was a bee that crashed into it, and we had to rebuild, and we lost our tower. But it didn't happen. Grounded was cool. <laughs> Granted, it was cool, everybody. I'm glad I can make it to the podcast. I hope listeners are surprised that I made it. 
Yeah, uh, Mark, I, I told everyone that you agreed with me that the VGC article about the Switch 2 getting delayed was fake. So I spoke I'm, for you. Don't worry. I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. But at the same time, now article article going around because Epic Mickey confirmed, right? Jeff Grubb said eh, that Epic Mickey and Metroid Prime 4 were coming this year a while ago. If that is true, now that we have one of these two, if Metroid Prime 4 is coming out this year, I don't know if the switch there, is coming. There was this a year. new Metroid Prime 4 uh thing tonight, actually. Oh shit. About it targeting May and Jeff Crubb saying that he has no idea if this is true or if it actually will come out this year, but the last he heard, which was last year, was that it would technically have the chance to be ready this year. So that is that is all he added to the conversation okay i guess a year ago nintendo did think this thing was coming out this year so i guess everything lines up there dang maybe maybe it really is 2025 well i think we should end this episode i Uh, agree what were you guys playing bowen uh (laughs) peter played nothing i played xenoblade chronicles this has been the bny gaming podcast episode 120 Four, I believe. That's what I'm going to say. Goodbye, and thank you for joining us. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody.